we begin to pray, there's a, a phrase that has become sort of the summary of my heart on this weekend and on this day, and it's this, there is much to be thankful for here and much to look forward to there. And that truth, that reality, that here because of God's goodness and blessing, there's so much to be thankful for. And because of the hope of heaven and the grace of God, salvation of Christ, there is much to look forward to there. Amen. And as we pray today, I want to ask you to pray with that in mind. I ask you to bow with me all over this room. Remind you as you bow that it was Jesus himself that said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. And it's easy for us to get distracted and lose sight of that. And um, this morning, pray with me that this would be a place of communion with God through Jesus. We need to hear from him. We need to meet with him. We need him to do what he had planned to do and wanted to do when he designed the local church. And we meet in the name of Jesus. Would you take just a moment uh, there in your prayers and, and think about how much you have to be thankful for here? Some blessing, some gift, something that has come your way, maybe even some things that are hard that you would say, God, I, I need to give you thanks for this. Just take a moment to express your thanksgiving to the Lord for some things specifically in your life today. think for a moment about heaven, the hope of heaven, the way to heaven. Think about Jesus being there. Think about the promise that he made that I have gone to prepare a place for you. Think about those who have already reached that place. Think about the promise of seeing Jesus face to face in all of his glory. Just for a moment, just give thought, express hope and thanksgiving to the Lord for what we have ahead. Father, we give you thanks together for your faithfulness. Thank you that your mercies are new every morning. Thank you that your grace is sufficient in our time of need. 
Thank you that you can meet all of our needs according, Lord Jesus, to your riches and glory. Thank you for the promise of your word that you give us life and you give us life abundantly. Thank you for every good and perfect gift that has come down from the Father above. Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Every day is Father's Day before you. It is your day. You've created us. You've made us. What a gift, Lord, you've given to us to be able to gather here, sing, pray, and catch up with people, meet new people, go back out encouraged and strengthened to live for Jesus. Just thank you for this gift, being here today. Father, we pray you take your word, open it up to us by the work of your spirit, encourage Convict, change. I pray that the purposes of this word being preserved right into this day would be accomplished and fulfilled. Lord Jesus, we praise you as our risen Savior, King of Kings. We love you in your name. Amen. Psalm chapter 80 is, uh, Psalm 80 is a, a testimony. What's your testimony? Can you remember a day being in a church service where people stood and gave testimony? If you today gave your testimony, what would we be asking for? We would be asking for your belief story. We would be asking for how God's worked in your life. We'd be asking for something about your background, something about your present, something that you're believing about the future. Uh, we would be talking about, we would be testifying, get bearing witness to what's in our life and what's in our heart. Psalm 80 is a testimony. It's a testimony of a songwriter and choir leader by the name of Asaph. It is a, it is a statement of belief. It is a story of where he is and where God's people are at this particular time, whenever it was in their history and we learn some things about who God is we learn some things about who God's people are we learn some things about how to uh, how to pray in times of distress I want to show you a testimony today you look this way I want to show you a testimony uh, uh, about three weeks ago I want to give you a testimony show you a testimony of my back porch as you look at this, this is on the corner of our back porch. And uh, about three weeks ago, those petunias shining bright and some mixed flowers there. And that basket just standing up shouting, it's spring. And I uh, got to love those red colors. And uh, that, that was the testimony of life there on our back porch. Saturday... Um, morning I woke up at our house kind of check where am I where are we been a lot of miles a lot of travel walked to the back door and here's the testimony of our back porch um, <laughs> if that if that plant could speak it would be a 
a whisper. <laughs> It'd be a raspy voice. Uh, that, that plant would be saying, water me. Somebody, please, in there, <laughs> give me some attention. I am, and, the, and the horticulturist would say, I am in distress. I am in distress. Psalm 80 is the testimony of someone who is in distress. I don't have a third picture today to show you what that plant now looks like. And in the same way, Psalm 80 doesn't have an answer at the end of it. But it does have a story of someone who was alive and doing well and advancing and progressing. But yet they find themselves in distress. And Psalm 80 becomes for us a prayer to pray, a song to sing in times of distress. Now some of you in this room, you're thinking today, not me. No distress in my, and you, you woke up this morning and the bacon was cooked and the muffins were warm and the coffee was hot and the butter was soft and the fruit was cut and that's just the story of your life. And I just say to you to take something and stick it in your Bible right here at Psalm 80 because there's coming a day when the coffee is going to be cold. There's coming a day where there's going to be some distress in your life. And for those of you in the room this morning, uh, you, you look at this and, and you say, Pastor, I don't know how to pray right now. I don't know what to say right now. I don't know what to do. I don't know what songs to, that are coming out of my heart right now. Here's the, here's the prayer. Here's the song of the distress. And in times of distress, what we learn from this psalm is that we need God's attention. We need God's attention. We need him to look at us, hear us, put his hand on us. This is Asaph's place. Let's look at it in Psalm 80. It says, to the choir master, according to the lilies, a testimony of Asaph, a psalm. Verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. And then we have a chorus. It's a chorus that's repeated three times. Each time adding more descriptors to the name of God. I believe illustrating for us a, a more urgent call and a revelation of God's character even as the song progresses. Verse 3, restore us, O God. Let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls? 
so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit. The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts. Look down from heaven and see. Have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire. They have cut it down. May they perish at the rebuke of your face. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you've made strong for yourself. Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. Three times the chorus of this psalm, the chorus of this song, verse 3, verse 7, in verse 19, restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. Verse 7, restore us, O God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. Restore us, verse 19, O Lord God of hosts, let your face shine that we may be saved. It's a plea, it's a prayer, it's a song, a psalm. And the first thing that we began to see as we unpack this prayer of distress is who God is. And I love to get there fast when we're working through these psalms. Psalms from 1 all the way to 150 reveal over and over to us again who God is. Some psalms reveal to us that God is a rock, that God is our refuge. Some psalms reveal to us that God is our creator, that he's our provider and this psalm reveals more about who God is and friends listen you don't need to know who I am you don't need to know who some earthly person is what we need more than anything in our time of distress is to know who God is we need to know who he is what he can do and this psalm tells us who God is now this psalm certainly like the psalms do they are written with poetic imagery the, the words are used and one single word just packs so much information the the words are pictures and the, and God is revealed to us in two specific images in this psalm the first is shepherd we see that God is our shepherd it's probably not surprising if you've studied through the Psalms that you see that theme of God's people being the sheep of his pasture, uh, God's people being his flock. We think about God being our shepherd, but only two times in all 150 Psalms is God specifically referred to as the shepherd and you know the other psalm what 23 and psalm 23 says the lord is my shepherd i shall not want and the other time that he's identified as the shepherd in all of the psalms is this psalm psalm 180 give ear o shepherd of israel now this this picture this imagery of a shepherd what a beautiful gift that God would reveal to us that image of who he is and how blessed we are that that is the kind of God that we have 
when you think about a shepherd, what does he do? A shepherd does not drive his flock. A shepherd leads his flock. A shepherd is one who gives care to his flock. A shepherd guides his flock, leads his flock. A shepherd provides for his flock. A shepherd protects his flock. The work of a shepherd is to lead and to feed. And this imagery at a time when Asaph's testimony was one of distress, he goes immediately to this picture of God being a caregiver, a guide, a provider, a protector, a leader, a feeder. And and whatever your circumstance is right now, whatever your circumstance may be tomorrow, would you think on God as your shepherd? React to him in this way. God, as I pray, you're the one who leads me, guides me, feeds me, protects me, cares for me. You watch over me to protect me from the enemy. That's who you're praying to. But there's a second image that's also given of God here. And it's not just God as shepherd. It's also God as vine dresser. And the, the meaning of that word is wrapped up in the sound of that word, a vine dresser. What is a, a vine dresser? A vine dresser is the name of someone who works with vines specifically to take care of them. Where, where do you get that imagery? Well, from verse 8 on through, you move from this picture of God's people being the flock for the shepherd uh, to, to being a vine. And, and it speaks of what has happened with the vine. It, it says in verse 8, uses the pronoun you, referring to God. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. He's the vine dresser. And what is a, just like a a shepherd leads and feeds, what does a vine dresser do? A, A vine dresser plants the vine. The vine dresser prunes the vine. The vine dresser trains the vine. The vine dresser cultivates the soil for the vines to grow in. Think today about who God is in your time of distress. A shepherd who cares, guides, provides, protects, leads, feeds. A vine dresser who prunes, plants, trains, cultivates. That's who our God Well, who are God's people? We learn who God's people are based on who God is. Now, I'm making some comparisons here of Psalm 80 that speaks of God's people, the Israelites, and making some application to our life. Listen, the only reason that I could make application for us identifying with God as the Israelites identify with God is because of what Jesus does in our life. Okay? Just because we're born doesn't make us a child of God. Just because we're born in America doesn't make us a child of God. The way that we can make application here as children of God is because of what Jesus Christ has done for us in saving us. And we become heirs with him. We become children of God. 
we make this application here. And, and what, is, what is Asaph? He's talking about God's chosen people here, and he, he identifies them as the flock. He says, give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock. As a shepherd, we think of sheep. As a flock, we think of a flock of sheep or a herd of sheep. And it doesn't help your self-esteem to dwell too long on what sheep do. You know that. Uh, sheep need to be led. Uh, sheep need you to feed them. Sheep need you to protect them. They honestly don't do very much on their own. And, and he identifies, he says, we're, we're, we're like a flock. We're the livestock. When we refer to the livestock on a farm, we're talking about the living animals that are in the flocks, that are in the herds. But there's a second picture of who God's people are, not only the flock, but also the vine. He mentioned that in verse 8, you brought a vine out of Egypt and it describes the growth of the vine and the progress of the vine and the advance of the vine, the blessing of the vine. He says in verse 14, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted. The vine grows, produces. The writer of this psalm says, God, you took us, we were in Egypt, they were in captivity in Egypt. He said, you transplanted us, you moved us, you took us out of the soil of Egypt. We know from history, the Old Testament, that he planted them in the, in the new soil, the promised land. And he had taken care of them like a vine. They find themselves in this particular time in their history in distress. So who is God? He's the shepherd. He's the vine dresser. Who are God's people? We're the flock. We're the vine. And I ask you about the flock and the vine. There's one simple but incredibly critical fact that must be true of the flock and the vine in order for them to accomplish what they were made for. What, what has to be true about the flock and the vine to fulfill their purpose? Not a trick question. What has to be true for the flock and the vine to fulfill their purposes, they must be alive. They need life to grow, to produce, to bear fruit, to advance. And in this psalm, that's the picture you have. You have a flock, you have a vine that's crying out to God. I believe the crescendo statement is this from this psalm. Give us life. Give us life. So moving from there, according to this psalm, what is it that God's people need? They need life. They, they, they need to live. And the writer of this psalm is describing, much like that picture that we saw just a moment ago, that second picture of that vine of those flowers that were starved for life. So we need some attention. There, there are three body parts that the writer of this psalm gives to God in his prayer. And we know that God is spirit. And he doesn't possess body parts. But the way we understand how he works is to ascribe his actions to certain body parts. And there are three of those. The psalmist uses the ear, the face, and the hand. And he asks God to do something with his 
ear, to do something with his face, to do something with his hand. And it describes what God's people need in times of distress. He says in verse 1, give ear. Look at it, verse 1. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel. To address God in this kind of praying acknowledges that God is a listener. That he hears our prayers. You've heard someone say before, uh, who has his ear? Or who has her ear? Who got in his ear? Who got in her ear? We might say about a, a teenager, somebody just got in his ear and fed him a bunch of whatever. You know, we're, we're talking about what are, they, what are they hearing? What are they listening to? And this psalmist is saying, God, we need you to listen to us. We need your attention. And then verse 3, and it's repeated in verse 7 and verse 19. Let your face shine. To, let, to give ear means to hear, to listen. Then he says, let your face shine. It's a prayer for blessing. It's a prayer for favor. It's a prayer for attention. It's a, a prayer to engage. Some of you, have you had this experience where you're talking with someone and they just won't look at you? They just won't look at you. Scott does it to me all the time. He says, Pastor Scott, I'm like, Scott, just look at me, brother. Just look at me. Picking on me. No, listen, you, you walk up to somebody and you say, uh, you're talking to them. And maybe in mid-conversation, you're talking, you're, you're, you're making your plea. And they, and they turn away and begin to walk away. How does that feel? And if you're really into it, you might just go after them, wouldn't you? Hey, hey, come back here. I'm talking to you. Don't leave. Look at me. The psalmist in a time of distress says, God, give ear. Listen to me. In a time of distress, let your face shine. I need you to engage. I need your favor. I need your blessing. And then he says, let your hand. In verse 17, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand. Let your hand be on the man. And what is the picture here? Ear, listening, face, favor, blessing. What about hand? Haven't you prayed before, Lord, please keep your hand on our nation? Lord, please keep your hand on our family? Lord, please keep your hand on our church? Lord, please keep your hand on our kids? What are we, what are we saying in that, in those words? They can just become so habitual, we, we don't even know what we're praying. Several years ago in the chapel, I remember preaching one morning after we had traveled and we had gone to spend the night at my brother's house and it was back in the days Carla of um, porta cribs uh, what were those things called I'm so far removed I can't even what are they what are they what are they called pack and play <laughs> Jennifer and Joel know uh, pack and play and 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 so you know you just come in with 14 bags and one of them is the is the pack and play where are we going to put this and, and so my brother's house, we put in kind of this odd room one night, and one of our girls laid down in that quarter crib, and you walk away and just screams, crying, hollering. Go back in there, screams, crying, hollering. Get down beside the, that night, and we're getting down beside her bed, and just, oh, it's going to be okay, it's going to be okay. We're going to sleep now, we're going to sleep. And it's just, it's good, and it's just, and then it's, it's quiet, and you just get slower, slower, slower. Ah! 
Y'all knew that was coming. You know, you could just feel it. It's coming. And I said, you go back in there. No, you're going to wake everybody up. And you just hand back on a pat and it gets quiet. And finally that night, I remember getting down on my knees, just putting this hand in my face, this head in my hand, and this hand reaching over into the packing Porter's crib place thing and just <laughs> laying my hand. And I lay my hand there, quiet. Lift my hand, bye. I fell asleep with my hand on her and I realized by the next day when we were preaching here that God had shown me what it means to pray put your hand on her keep your hand on her because then that night my whole my hand would cover her whole back and I learned when I'm praying God keep your hand on me I'm praying for your protection and I'm praying for your provision and I'm praying, most of all, for your presence. And when this psalm writer in his time of distress talks to God and says, let your hand be on the man, he's saying, God, I need you to hear me. I need you to look at me with favor. I need your hand on me with presence and provision and protection. God is the shepherd and the vine dresser and we're the flock and the vine and we need him to give ear, look at us with his face and let his hand be on us. What can God do? What can he do? We find out that what he can do is that he can restore us. He can restore you. He can restore you. He can return you. He can revive you. He can respond to you. He can give life. They had known life. He, they talked about it. You, you cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade. The mighty cedars with its branches. It sit out its branches to the sea. You see life and growth and progress. And maybe you look at your life and say, I've, I've seen that day in my life, Lord. But I need your ear. I need your face. I need your hand now. And God says, we, we learn about him that he can restore, that he can revive, that he can respond he can give life when I look at those pictures just a moment ago that we looked at in that second picture I walked out on that porch Saturday morning and I started putting water on that plant I, what I realized is is that that plant needed more than me <laughs> it had crossed the line and um, well, it really needed a miracle. And let me say to you, I stand here week after week after week. You're in conversation with somebody else. Our church interacts with somebody. I, I can't give you life. I can't do a miracle in your life. I can't revive you. I can't restore you. Watkinsville First Baptist cannot bring revival to your life. Your friend, your neighbor, they can't revive you. What am I saying? I'm saying to you, this is, this is 
only what God can do. God can revive you. God can restore you. God, God can respond to you. God can answer this prayer of giving you life. God can do a miracle in your time of distress. It's God work. It's God that can restore. He describes here, he says in verse 12, Why then have you broken down its walls so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? A way that we might use that phrase is... Um, along the way pluck its fruit we might say everything's been picked over everything's been picked over you ever gone into Trader Joe's wanting flowers on uh, Friday afternoon guys I need a bouquet and you walk in and you, you're like this is the day I'm going to get flowers and you walk in and you go uh oh it's all been picked over and flowers are just thrown everywhere and there's nothing but little couple of stalks of baby's breath just sticking out over here somewhere. And you're like, I need tulips. I need roses. I need hydrangea. I need flowers. You know what they say to you? Be back in the morning at 8 o'clock. We will we'll refresh the flowers. We'll restore the flowers. It's a biblical word. And this is what the psalmist is saying here. They're saying we're living. Maybe, you're, maybe the circumstances of your life has you feeling like you've been plundered, you've been picked over, everything has been taken from you. What do you pray? Lord, give ear. Lord, let your face, Lord, put your hand. That's what you pray. God is able to restore. God is able to revive. God is able to respond. What, what does that look like? It looks like life. It looks like life abundant here. It looks like eternal life forever. That's what he is, Pastor. I know. Ever get impatient with God? Yes. You want him to do it now. And maybe you thought, I've prayed, I've prayed for three days, Pastor. I've prayed for three years, Pastor. I've pay, prayed for 30 years. I've prayed for 50 years. I ask you to turn to close this morning to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 10. John, chapter 10. Do you remember who we, we saw God to be the shepherd? We saw God to be the vine dresser. We see Asaph praying hundreds of years before the Gospel of John. Come to John, chapter 10. Verse 7. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved, and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. Hundreds of years after this prayer was prayed, we find our confidence that God keeps his promises. Listen, I just I want to remind you that our confidence today is in 
God stirring up his might to do what he can do in his timing. And when he answers, he's not only the shepherd, he's the good shepherd. And he will do far beyond we could ever hope or imagine or ask. He's the good shepherd and their prayer for life. Give us life. Jesus says, I've got life. I've got life in your distress today. Maybe God's wanting to prune you as a vine to get your attention that your source of life is in Him. To find your peace in Him. He says, I am the good shepherd. But, but look, John chapter 15. The shepherd becomes the good shepherd. John chapter 15. Remember, God's people were the vine. God, the vine dresser. Look what Jesus says in John 15, verse 1. I am the true vine. I am the true vine. And my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do it's just a beautiful transition to go from this prayer of distress to look out into the future to see God, to see Jesus at work saying, vine, I'm the true vine. Your vine, what you are really are branches in the vine. And where you get your life is by abiding in the true vine. Today in your distress, I don't know when God's going to answer. I don't know what his timing is. But we certainly have reason to be confident that he hears, that he looks, he puts his hand on us. And so what do we do? We pray. We talk to him. I don't have a third picture this morning be so cute wouldn't it if I could just say well I woke up this morning and boom look at this plant it needs a miracle maybe you're the third picture maybe we're the third picture maybe today in our life God would work and do a miracle I don't know when that's going to happen but here's what we're going to do before we leave today we're going to start praying this prayer today I want to ask Dustin and Caleb and Neely to come and they're going to lead us in singing this psalm and singing this prayer as they're coming what we're talking about is is praying to God getting his attention several years ago I think it was the same daughter that was in that pack and play she was now a little older sitting in my lap and she was just chattering away just a chatter and I had a paper sort of like this in my hand with her in my lap, just reached around her. And she's just chattering and saying, right, Daddy? Right? Hear me? Listen, Daddy. I said, I know. That's right. Yeah, that's exactly right. 
And I'm just going through that paper. Listen to us, chatter, chatter, chatter. Right, Daddy? Right, Daddy? Listen to me. I'm listening, sweetheart. I'm, I'm listening. And all of a sudden, I feel this little tiny hand come up on my face. And she pulls it around. She goes, no, Daddy. Give your whole faith. Give your whole faith. I, just, I wonder today if maybe that's you hand up to the Lord Lord with your whole faith would you show me would you look at me would you listen to me with your big old hands would you put them up I'm in distress this room is wide and these steps are empty we're in no rush the spirit of God is working in your heart right now I want to invite you to come and pray I want to invite you to sing this prayer I want to ask you to come if you need somebody to pray with you to find me right here at the front let's stand to our feet let's sing you come be sensitive to the spirit of God it's brought you here for a reason with this psalm for a purpose. Lord.